So we come to part four of our series, The Shadows of Your Heart, part four. We started this about a month ago, and we've had, um, including today, it's going to be four sermons on the shadows of your heart. Let's do a quick review by looking at the key text once again that we have looked at these past few weeks. You can also turn your Bibles to Psalm 139 verse 23, 24, if you like. You can also read up here on the screen with me. David is the one that's speaking. He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. First week, we focused on 23a. 23a, the first uh, phrase is, search me, O God, and know my heart. And what we learned in that part of the text is that David is inviting God not to just search his heart, but the actual wording that we need to have there is to thoroughly investigate my heart, O God. Because the heart can be a deceitful or a stubborn thing. In the book of Ezekiel, it's described as a heart of stone. But God doesn't want you to have a heart of stone. He wants to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh that is once again pumping life into your body. That was the first week. The second week, we looked at 23b, test me and know my anxious thoughts. The quick lesson that we got out of there, or quickly, the lesson that we got out of there is that David, David knew that for him to learn more about his shadows, he would welcome the challenges that life would throw his way. The challenges you face, the fiery furnace that you go through. How many of you as you go through a challenge, at the end of that challenge, you realize, wow, I persevered. You were surprised, number one, that you were able to persevere. And then number two, you probably learned some new things about yourself. So test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then last week, we looked at 24A, which is see if there is any offensive way in me. As we discovered, this is not just being worried about saying the, the wrong thing, saying something that's offensive. No, this goes beyond that. Remember, this should read verbatim that see if my path is leading me to pain and sorrow or to idolatry. Remember that Hebrew word, ostev, or otsev, otsev. I'm sorry, I, I, I got the T and the S backwards. Otsev means idolatry, pain, or sorrow. So what David is asking here, he's asking God to see if, if my path, my journey, my trajectory is leading me to pain and sorrow or to idolatry. Stubborn, stubbornness is the core of that, that thought. Today, we look at 24b, lead me in the way everlasting. So now we've come to this culmination where David said, search my heart, O God, 
Know my anxious thoughts. Test me. See if my path is leading me to a road of destruction. And now he puts it all together and he says, for the sake of my eternal life, lead me in the way everlasting. To fully comprehend this or for us to fully appreciate this verse once again, I invite you to look into the Hebrew with me. This is the actual sentence that is found in the Hebrew Bible. So, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, but if you were going to read this, you would read it from right to left in the Hebrew Bible, and you would start from the back side. So Genesis 1 would be back here where Revelation is, and then you read it backwards. So here we have Vanakha, Vederek Olem, which means, and lead my path forever. I put, I listed a few key words here. Nacha, that, that's the verb that you see there in the translation that we have, or in the NIV, it says lead my path. You can translate that as lead, guide, or to bring, to bring me, right? And then you remember number two. Number two was a word that we had last week, derek or derek, which means path, road, journey, or behavior. And another word, that, a new word that we learned today is olam, which means forever, everlasting, always, or ancient. And so when David says, and lead my path forever, that, that, that's only five words, but those five words has so much meaning behind it. What does it mean to follow someone that you have chosen to be your leader to bring you or to guide you to a certain place? Have you ever given that some thought? That's not an easy thing to do, to to follow. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your trust to follow this person, it's not an easy task. I had a snippet of an example of this this past week. And I did not ask him if it's okay for me to share this story, but I'm going to share it anyways, and he can forgive me later. I'm talking about Stan, where I went to visit Stan at his place this week, and we were talking about um, communion, among other things, and then at the end of the visit, he invited me to ride his motorcycle with him. And uh, if you don't know this about him, he has a wonderful, it's a Honda, a Goldwing. I see I'm listening. And so he invited me to ride with him. We were just going to go a few miles. And he said, how do you feel about it? I said, yeah, I'm excited. I'll I'll ride. Little did I tell him I was actually afraid. (laughs) Right, Jim? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I know that now. He goes fast. But, but uh, I was afraid because the thoughts that started running in my head was the fact that I like a seatbelt around me. There's no seatbelt. There's no cage of a car, no walls of the car that can protect me if, if, if a rock comes our way. or so, so while Stan and I are talking, these thoughts start running in my head, right? What happens if there's a car in front of us? But you know what I did? 
I didn't berate Stan with all those questions and worries and concerns. I trusted him. I went deep inside, looked for that humility, and I said, I'm going to trust my brother. So we went out. We made preparations to get on the bike. Oh, by the way, he gave me a helmet. He gave me a, a jacket. I didn't think I was going to need, need the jacket, but boy, I'm glad I put it on. Because when you're going uh, 60 miles an hour, that breeze becomes really cold, right? That wind. So then we go to the bike, and he gives me instruction. The way to hop onto this bike, the best way is to put your uh, butt or your behind right here on the seat that you're going to get on and then swing your leg all the way around. And that's what I did. Then I'm thinking, uh, what do I do next? He's, it's like he's reading my mind. He says, next, what you want to do is grab onto the handles that are right there by my seat. That's, what you're, that's how you're going to hold on to, to the bike. So I grab onto that. And uh, then he gave me further instruction and said, when we come to the curve, let me do the work. I'll lean. All you have to do is sit up straight. I said, oh, I thought to myself, no problem with sitting up straight because I was just like this the whole time. White knuckles, like this white right now. Straight as can be because I'm just so scared. But at the same time, I was having fun. And I was able to have fun. I was able to get to that destination. He, I was able to see the road that he wanted me to experience all because I was willing to let him guide me. To bring me to this new experience because I've never been on a bike before. I did tell him I might want one now, so you're gonna have to answer to Bobby in case. <laughs> but but he he led me to safety. He brought me to a new experience, and for that I'm grateful. Could you and I be fighting God? For new, experiencing, uh, for new experiences that he wants us to experience, perhaps? We're telling him we want to go this way, but he says, no, let me lead you this way. You're probably reflecting on this thought at, that, at this moment, which you should. Ancient Israel was that way too. God said, I want you to go to the promised land. Let me bring you into the promised land. Well, you know that story. What happened to them? Even though God was leading them because of their stubbornness, because of Otsev, they went a different route that took them a lot longer. Instead of months, it became years to get to the promised land. They couldn't quit their belly aching, hence the otsev, the, the stubbornness, you're right. So David understands this. David understands for him to have meaning in life, he needs to allow God to lead him. Where? Where is he going? This entire passage that we've been studying these, these past four weeks, it's it's David that has a strong desire to be with God. I have to ask you this question this morning. What is your desire? Is your desire to be with God 
a very true thing. Something as much as David wanted in his life. And I'll speak more to that in a little while. He wants God to lead, guide, bring him down the path, down the road that's going to bring him to heaven, to God. Here's our road. Your road to heaven is this. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many of y'all have gone out to the mountains recently because of the beautiful color change? If you haven't had the chance, do it soon because those yellow, red, golden leaves are almost gone. But if any of y'all went out there in the last few weeks, you know to go into the mountains, you would take what road? I-70. Or you can take a different path by going 285 into Fair Play, which will lead you to Buena Vista or perhaps bring you to Leadville, depending on the direction that you want to go. But in no way are any of you taking I-25 to go into Breckenridge, right? Or into the mountains. Because that road does not lead you to your destination. So just as like our spiritual life, there is only one road that's going to bring us to Jesus. And that's Jesus himself. There's only one road that's going to bring us to heaven. That's Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see that word way? That's another, that's synonymous to, to road, path, to the Hebrew word derek. So if Jesus is our road, then what's our map to heaven? Let's use one of David's other, uh, one of the other words that David wrote. He wrote in Psalm 119, verse 105, he said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my, there's that Hebrew word once again, Derek. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I want to keep this in context. The context has always been Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. David is asking, search me, O God, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In order to do that, he finds light. He finds his answers in the word of God. How much time are you spending in the word of God? That is the cure to emotional distress. Do you have a troubled spirit? Do you find yourself awake late at night because of your anxious thoughts? The word of God is the antidote to your restless your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Maybe one day I'll do a sermon series on how you can find every single human problem 
in this. You can. Remember that list of 92 emotions that I showed here the last two weeks? That list of emotions from Daniel Goleman's book? You can find an answer to every one of those emotions in this book. If David was able to do it, and David only had the Old Testament up to that point, he didn't have everything else that we do, then you and I can do it too if he was able to do it. God has not left us to our own devices. God has not abandoned us in this dark world without the lantern of all lanterns, the light of all light, his word, his word. May his word be a lamp to your feet and a light for your derrick. I want us to take a look at Psalm 139 in its entirety. Psalm 139 from verse 1 all the way to verse 24, is a palindrome. You're probably asking yourself, what's a palindrome? Well, a palindrome is usually a string of words that contain a sequence of letters in the first half that are presented in the exact reverse order in the second half. If that definition confused you like it confused me, here's an example. Taco Cat. Taco Cat is a palindrome. Taco Cat, if you were to spell it uh, backwards, it's spelled the same way. And Defied is another example, as well as Madam, I'm Adam. Take a look at that. You spell Madam, I'm Adam backwards, you still get the same thing. That's a palindrome. Now, in most cases, a palindrome is a string of words. However, a palindrome can also be themes and ideas. Themes that match each other. Ideas that match each other. So, one, uh, so Psalm 139 is a palindrome in this respect. Because if you break this down, verse 1 is the same as verse 23 and 24. It's talking about searching and learning about God. I'm not going to read this verse for verse today, this morning, because that's a lot of verses. May this be your Bible study for this week, okay? So go ahead, take your, your smartphones out, take a picture of this, or I can send you the slides. May this be your Bible study. But anyways, from Psalm 1, uh, Psalm 1 and then Psalm 23 and 24, talks about searching and learning. Then when you go to Psalm chapter 2, I mean, verse, uh, chapter 139, verse 2 and 3, that's the same as 21 and 22. Rise and knowing. Then verse 4 is about words. How words are used to praise God. Or, in verse 20, words are also used to defy God. As David mentions in his writing. Then verse 5 and verse 19 talks about God's hands and his actions. In verse 5, David proclaims to God that you made me and you have touched your hand, impressed your hand upon me. 
Whenever you see that in the Bible, it means that God has blessed the touching of hands, right? On the mirror side, instead of verse 5, but in verse 19, David asks for God to attack and get rid of his enemies. For God to use his hands to protect him. Verse 6 and verse 17 and 18 focuses on the knowledge and thoughts on God. And then Psalm 139 reaches a climax. And that's the point of the palindrome. The palindrome is to give the reader contextual evidence, contextual ideas of what it's really trying to portray. And verse 7 through 12 and 13 through 16 talks about God's awesomeness. And that's what we're going to read together right now. So turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 139. We'll start with verse 7. And I want you to imagine yourself as David writing this, as David singing this in his heart. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Let's pause there for a second. Looking at this again, God's awesomeness, verse 7 through 12, talks mainly about God's omnipresent. That wherever David is, God is there. David is not talking about trying to escape God. What David is lifting up is what he, what he is saying, is he is in, is in awesome appreciation that God desires to be with him wherever he goes just as God desires to be with you wherever you go. Then verse 13 through 16 talks, continues with God's awesomeness, but this time it talks about his omnipotence, his power. That's what, what uh, omnipotence means, his all-encompassing all power. And here's his power. Here's how David has experienced God's power. And as you and I read this, I want you to think about how you have experienced God's power in your life, okay? Here's how David has experienced God's power. He says in verse 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, thoughtfully, and wonderfully made. Your works are truly wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How did he experience God? How did he experience God's power? Well, he recognizes that God created him. And because God created him, he longs for God. He longed for God. His passion in his life became all about God. All in all, just like the song we sang just a few minutes ago, that God was his all in all. Now does it make more sense when we go to verse 23 and 24? The verse that we've been studying these past few weeks. Now does it all make sense on why David said such a thing? He recognizes, he experienced God as his creator. Therefore, he cries out to God and says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in way everlasting. He wanted to know what his shadows were so he could be brought closer to God. How much are you aware of your shadows? It's a question I leave with you, a question I ask you. Moving forward, how does it look like? I'm going to invite you all today for a Bible study moving forward. A Bible study that focuses entirely on the shadows of your heart. If you are interested to learn more about what your shadows are, if you're interested to learn more about the things that you're not aware of, that you might have, that you might have been carrying in your heart, subconsciously speaking, if you want to know what that is, let's do it together. And the way we're going to do it is through Bible study. Through stories like David, through stories like Moses. Moses had a lot of shadows. Samson had several shadows that brought him down to his, to his demise. Perhaps the only person in the Bible that did not have a shadow was Jesus. Because he was connected with God on a daily basis. So if you want to know what your shadows are, let's do it together. We can do it together where it's just you and me. If you want more privacy because maybe you don't know what's going to come up and you might be embarrassed of what those shadows are, then let's you and I do it together. We can have one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. Otherwise, I invite a group of people that we come together and we read these stories and we learn what the shadows are of these characters that are now beloved for your sake, my sake, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our community, for the sake of your relationship with Jesus. I pray for your shadows. Let me know if you're interested in this. I'll send, up a, I'll send a following text 
as well as an email, and then you can respond in that email. You don't have to reply all. You can just reply just solo and just say if you're interested in it, okay? This is for your shadows. May God turn them into light so you, so you will know more about who you are and how God intends to work in you.